Julio, you pulled a Grant Liffman this weekend where you like made this like big deal on Twitter that you had like this big announcement and then you like just gave just the most underwhelming news ever. I wish I had a kazoo. Why? Just so I can like like a kazoo kazooie? No, no. <sighs> I know what a kazoo is, but I just couldn't help myself. We're we're millennials, dude. We're kids of the 90s and N64. Those things don't just pop into your head when when you hear things like that. Yeah, let me just get a little. So like today, today I was like texting with my friends and one of them brought up like the idea of going bowling and instantly all of us started texting I was trying to get good noise. There's nothing good. Anyways, go on. Uh, all of us started uh, <coughs> instantly. All of us started texting um, uh, gifts from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> like it was just it. You know, it, there was no thought to it. That was just what we were doing. You know, kids of the, kids of the nineties. Uh, What's your all right, favorite town tailgate? Well, after this, welcome to town tailgate podcast. I'm Chris. That's Julio Reynoso. He's Yo. got a question for me, but he can wait. Um, uh, we are part of the Round Diamond Podcast Network. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Town Tailgate. Um, welcome in, and we have uh, a very interesting. Sorry, there's a fly in my room. Did uh, you get it? Have, I don't. I can't tell. No. Um, we have a very interesting podcast for you all today. Uh, just pretty much a trade deadline wrap up. Some winners, some losers. Uh, we're gonna talk about Team USA and the Olympics is uh, having quite a run. They got the semifinals going on tonight at 3 a.m. That is on Wednesday, August 4th. It will be Thursday, August 5th when that happens. Um, a little bit more national news. Astros Dodgers had a pretty crazy series with a lot of heckling. Um, we made some big moves. We're going to get into that. Um, but an underwhelming uh, week um, in review for the A's. But first, Julio, your question. Give me your top five N64 games. Okay. Number three. I wish we had, um, like, production value I said to do, like, patches. Five, I said five, not three. It was, I was going to say three, but I think five is more justifiable. Okay, five. Oh, five. That's tough. Five, uh, Mario Kart. Okay. Four, NFL Blitz. Ooh, good one. Three, Zelda Ocarina of Time, of course. Okay. Um, oh, damn it. I'm going to slide... You know, I'm going to kick off NFL Blitz. I'm going to slide Ocarina of Time down to four. Number three is going to be Banjo-Kazooie. Okay. Uh, number two is going to be um, Donkey Kong 64. I just love that game. I don't know why. Okay. And number one is Diddy Kong Racing. That was like the game Diddy that Kong got me Racing. into video games. Yeah. That was the game that like, got Kong me into God. video games. I was, really, I was really young when that all that shit came out. Yeah. I'd go, ooh, five is Blitz. Mm-hmm. Four. Blitz is definitely it's my six. For yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to deal. N sixty four was very um, multiplayer based, so I've realized like a lot of the, the big games I played because like I played with all my friends, I played with my brothers growing up. So four, yeah. I'd go Ocarina. Three, okay. I'd go Super Mario sixty four. Hmm. Two would be Mario Kart, and then okay. one, Goldeneye. Come on, man. Uh, ooh, Goldeneye is a good one. First person shooter, the first ever. Um, 
I, you know, you, you can't keep Mario Kart off the list. That is definitely one no, thing that it's, you, you have to establish when you make that list. It's pretty timeless, man. Yeah. Every generation right, plays moving it. moving on to baseball. Yeah. Um, Team USA, um, they dominated the group stage minus one game. Um, their last game in the group stage, they, um, uh, uh, or sorry, the quarterfinals, because actually it's interesting because Olympic baseball, Julio, works a lot like the College World Series. In the first round, it's single elimination. Um, so in the quarterfinals, I I forgot about that. That was they dominated the group stage. They were undefeated, and then they um, lost in the quarterfinals. They had a five run lead in six innings against Japan, and then Japan made a comeback. The pitching has been dominant throughout all of the Olympic run, except for that one game, that th- those three innings in that one game. Um, but it came back yesterday. Scott Kazmer, former Oakland great, had an amazing outing. Um, completely controlled the game against the Dominican Republic. They only scored one run, and it wasn't until the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, but they won 3-1 to one there in the semifinals. If they win tonight at 3 a.m. again, um, they win tonight, um, they are automatically in a medal game, and they will medal at the Olympics. So let's hope, let's cross our fingers that they get done tonight. Yeah, man, bless-ups for your boys. The rotation's been great. Again, Scott Kazmir. Uh, who he was on the Giants uh, minor league system for a minute. He was released only to get picked up by Team USA. He's been great. I hope he kind of can get some work out of this. Uh, another yeah. guy, another former Oakland Gate, Edwin Jackson. He's been pretty, pitching pretty well out there. Um, yeah. it, it's pretty interesting. First off, I, I don't know. I don't think there's any way you can fix the Olympic coverage because it's just it's just hard to watch these games and there's no other way around it unless you just have to avoid everything and just watch the tape delay or the like a rebroadcast of it um we got lucky last night it was on at it was on at nine or it was on at seven o'clock it was a midday game so we got that was like the first game we got lucky with it yeah so that must have been yeah that must have been like 1 p.m over there but um it's the one thing that's kind of been throwing been interesting to see is like you kind of brought it up, but like, yeah, pitching has been dominant for on the American side, but it seems like that's kind of all over the place. And one of the arguments has been they don't really, just like with basketball has been, where they're going by FIBA rules and they're not as uh, uh, foul happy as they are in the NBA. Yeah. It seems like for basketball or for baseball, they're really letting pitchers go nuts with like their rosin bag to the point that like there was one. Uh, replay I saw or I can't remember which game it was where when the ball went into like the catcher's glove you just the so much chalk just went up in the air like it was LeBron at the scores table so like yeah. it's, it's interesting that like maybe these some some of these guys are kind of benefiting from that uh, but also with like they beat the Dominican Republic who that's not a slouch country like that's they had Milky Cabrera and, and Jose Bautista on their team. <laughs> yeah, Jose Bautista had a walk off the night too, didn't he? Um, I believe so. Yeah. Um, no, dude. Like even when the catcher like pat like pats his his glove to like you know like you know to punch it, it was just shaking with with uh, with either rosin or dust. I thought it was dust, but that's interesting. Yeah. Scott Casimir doesn't look like the same guy. He's got long hair now. It's kind of weird. Goes to San Francisco once, man. I guess so. The old San Francisco, but yeah, fingers crossed, man. Japan, go Team USA. Go Team USA. Japan. Nick Allen looks determined, man. They look really good. They uh, play South Korea tonight, by the way. They play South Korea. Japan does. No, oh, US USA, team USA plays South okay. Korea. Yeah. 
So yeah, fingers crossed, man. If you're if you have some caffeine by your side, even though you're gonna know who wins by this side, it doesn't matter. But we're just yeah. gonna say, wow, can't believe Team USA won. Look at that. All right, let's go into our next thing. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. If you're with me. Uh, also, Hard Knocks comes back next week. Super stoked. I know. I'm super pumped for yes, that. It's gonna be a shit show. Cowboys. Oof. Uh, we're gonna f- have a follow up conversation here. Well, this last week's episode, we talked about. Uh, this the New York Mets and their signing or their kind of dilemma of uh, their first round pick Kumar Rocker stud pitcher out of Vanderbilt um, and follow up for you guys they did not reach a deal on a contract so because of that and uh, they did, they didn't meet the deadline he will no longer be a New York Met and he can he will not be returning to Vanderbilt. So he will be playing uh, internationally is what the story is right now. He could have returned to Vanderbilt. He would have had to enroll and get his graduate degree, um, but he just chose not to. It's pretty interesting, just the Mets doing Mets things time and time again, even though – and there, I have to pull up the tweet. But he, uh, I can't remember the, name, the owner's name, but he's very active on Twitter. And he actually went out. As a Steve Cohen, he threw some shade on Kumar Rocker. So an interesting thing about Kumar Rocker, before you go into that, is his his agent is Scott Boris. So it's no surprise that he's gonna skip. He's gonna not go back to college, and he's gonna find somewhere to play for money. Because I guarantee his agent is in his ear saying, "You should go play pro." Because guess what? If he goes back to college, he, you know. I mean, he'll make money now because you can make money off your likeness, but it won't be as much as if he goes and plays in Japan or something like that. Uh, here's uh, Steve Cohen's tweet. Education time. Baseball draft picks are worth up to five times their slot value to clubs. I never shy away from investments that can make me that type of return. So... I don't know. I don't know enough about the injury, to be honest with you. I'm not a doctor. Neither are you, so I'm sure you don't understand it either. I'm just saying for the listeners out there. Um, but he was pretty good in college. It's only been a month since he last pitched. Two months. I can't imagine it's been that much damage done. Um, I I don't know. I think this might be an over. Um, this might be overkill. But so here's know. again. Grand Assault, Scott Boris. Here's a statement he put out. Kumar Rocker is healthy according to independent medical review by multiple prominent baseball orthopedic surgeons. Immediately upon occlusion of his uh, collegiate career, collegiate career, wow. He had an MRI in both shoulders and his elbow. When compared to the 2018 MRIs, the medical experts found no significant change. Kumar requires no medical attention and will continue to pitch in the regular course as he prepares to begin his professional career. So yeah, he's it, not it's, getting it's, surgery or anything. It's, he's, so like, it's, that's what's kind of weird. It's very much a he said, he said kind of thing going on right now. And it's yeah. it's just Mets baseball at its finest, man. You love to see it. Yeah, new owner had a lot of hopes, but it's kind of going down the same roller coaster. All right. They're cursed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is, but it feels like it. Anyway, let's move on. Um Dodgers um faced the Astros this week. It was a heavily um very um tense series, at least from the fans, not so much on the field. Um I mean, it was it was a good series in the field. I'm saying like it wasn't like there's not like they weren't fighting. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um 
Julio was there yesterday. Yeah. He has some stories that are going to lead into what we're going to actually be talking about with this storyline. Yeah, so uh, as you can tell, my voice is a little shot because I was booing a lot. And it may have been chanting some things. Good for you, Julio. I'm proud of you. Yeah, but and may have been chanting some things that my mom would not want to hear at Jose Altuve. Uh, but uh, the game, so the game's happening right now. The second game of the series, only two game series. Dodgers are up seven two on the Astros. So fingers crossed they hold, make up some ground. Um, typical LA fashion. I showed up late because you know Dodger Stadium's hell trying to get in and out of. But. Uh, I've never, within the first 30 minutes, I had never seen so many items thrown on a field before. That there was multiple inflatable trash cans pretty much in every section. Mm -hmm. Um, Every foul ball that was getting hit by an Astro was getting thrown back on the field. (laughs) Every time L2V was going up. It's weird. They, they, you know, good for them for not, um, not berating the Astros had nothing to do with it. So, like, uh, who was in there last night? I was like, oh, they weren't there. Nobody cares. Like, Kyle Tucker, nobody cared about. But, like, mm-hmm. when Correa was up and Altuve was up, I've never heard. I grew up going to Raider games, man. And now I was, like, on that level of, like, intensity. Dodger fans are intense, bro. I mean, if you ever been to a Giants series there, like, they don't they don't let up. Yeah, I haven't been to a baseball game that loud in maybe since, like, playoffs. Like 2013 like playoffs? Or 2012 card game? Yeah, but uh, it, it was pretty intense environment. They lost last night, but I think the biggest point we saw, I saw like multiple fights break out. It seemed like after oh, Jordan yeah. Alvarez had to like go ahead to run home run, like the seventh or eighth, I would just different sections you'd see like, oh, a lot of people look in one direction. That's a fight. Another one, a lot of people yeah. look in one direction. There's, There's a- been a lot of fights in a lot of stadiums this year, though. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a do- an Astros thing. Yeah, um, but I will say I think people should be aware of – I think everybody – you should – we both have this logic. If you're going to go to a, your, a, another baseball game and your team is playing, know your role. Don't be a dick. It's kind of, you know – golf clap they score around like all right cool and if there's people around you you know go on with them sure just stay quiet and um there was a video that went it was going on on baseball reddit last night where some guy was getting escorted by a uh, security lapd he was an astro fan and everybody was booing him and, and the guy was just hammered saying like fuck you and all these people and guess what dodger fans while he's handcuffed or behind his back a dodger fan goes up and headbutts him <laughs> so I, look, it was anyways I, Fun I shouldn't be laughing at that. I shouldn't night. be laughing at violence, so I apologize to the listeners. It's not acceptable. But I mean, I don't. Not as many people are so, as self-aware as we are, Julio, or don't not just you know their pride gets in the way of everything they do in life, which is the why they're at the place that they are in life. So let's just leave it at that. Indeed. Hmm. But we kind of want to. I think the point for this conversation, you brought up a good. Um, you said Dan Patrick was talking about it. About how, like, at what point do people just, like, go of this? And how long are we going to hold this grudge for? Yeah, and what's an acceptable amount of time to to keep berating Astros and Astros fans and and doing this shit? Um, so he, so Dan was very, like, I don't think it's over. Like, one of his Danettes were saying, like, it's too much, but... Um, I think, and it got brought up because Joey Votto was on, on the program and he asked Joey Votto about it and Joey Votto was like, 
I believe they're at their word when they said that they weren't cheating. Uh, the players, the players. Um, so, uh, you know, like I just get over it and I'm sitting there like, oh, Joey Votto, bad, bad, uh, <laughs> fuck off. Um, even though you're great. I was like, um, you don't tell that guy to fuck off. Come on. I, but I mean, I don't, don't agree with that take. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think another year is acceptable. And then it's just like, y- you got to move on from it because at that point, has this affected your life that much? Like, let's be honest. So I, I, but I do think they deserve another year of bullshit because they got nothing for it. But, you know, and that's here's another thing. They're going to be getting it for the rest of their lives because anytime someone talks to them or talks about them or talks to an Astros fan about um, that World Series, it's going to end. It's the first thing that you're going to hear a response from is like, that wasn't a real World Series. Like, it's just there. It's that it's, it's always going to be an argument for the rest of their life. They're going to have to defend that World Series. That's a, that's punishment enough. Simple as that. So I will personally uh, hold that vendetta against the players. The fans, look, the fans, look, whatever. As long as, just don't be a dick about it. At the end of the day, don't be a dick about it. We've seen a lot. We've heard a lot of Astros fans kind of chiming about it. We had somebody, I posted a picture. Oh, yeah, I posted it on their Twitter account last night too, but... um, in the men's bathroom, each urinal had a different Astros card on it. <laughs> that's so great. That's yeah, that's pretty funny. But I posted on the baseball subreddit and immediately it got deleted within a few minutes because they're really weird over there. Like Astro friends were like, cry oh. more, blah, blah, like, see, those are the fans are like, you're going to catch hands if you go pull that in o- at Oakland or Dodger Stadium or, you know, in New York, whatever. Um, but like for most of the fans, I think a lot of fans are probably regretful about it and I hope they are. But like, I, I hope... The, this will never leave these players. Like these guys, it's going to go to them and it's going to affect their legacy. Um, I was telling Ann Whitney last night, and I'm like, Jose Otuve was on pace to become a Hall of Famer. Like he was probably going to be, like he's arguably the best second baseman of the last like 10 years of like the 2010s. Yeah. And um, the odds are he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame anymore because he's associated with this team. And everyone's gonna that have really, all that stigma. That about really them. depends on how that that resonates with Generation Z future voters, in my opinion. Um, look at the steroid era. Millennials vote for steroid users, but uh, Boomers and Gen X and Gen Xers don't. So generally, there's a handful out there. Yeah, but. Time. I guess, but this is a lot different. This is a lot. Di- I mean, you're proven that you fucking broke the rules. So yeah, you know, you're right. It's a lot different. Your punishment is you just kind of got to live with it for the rest of your life. Like if you well, would, if they would actually say, been busted and something happened with it, I think would have been a little bit better. But the fact that nothing happened to it and that makes fans even more pissed off about it. What if the Red Sox had got like fully busted? What if like another team gets fully busted? Let's say there's like three or four teams that get fully busted. Is this known as the sign stealing era? And then in ten years, everybody's like. That was part of the game back then. It was just part of it. So I don't see it as actual cheating. So, like, they should get in, just like they talk about steroids that way. Hey, just because, look, just because you know the sign Joey Votto, Joey Votto made that point today, by the way. Again, not not a bad idea, because it's like, hey, just because you know the sign doesn't mean it's going to make it, you're still going to hit it, but you're not wrong. It's not a wrong point. So his argument was, so he started with, he said... Um, they asked him like, if you ha- were on the Astros, would you have che- would you have um, stole signs? He goes, 
no, no, I wouldn't have done it because I don't believe in breaking the rules. And then Dan was like, was like, yeah, but as a hitter, don't you want every advantage? He's like, yeah, well, okay. So if there, if my runner's on second and he notices a sign and he gives me a signal, then yeah, I'm going to take that advantage. Or if the pitcher's tipping pitches and I notice it, it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's there's no there's no in between there. Like you either you either take it or you don't. Like one's against the rules and one's not. So. I mean, I don't know. I the the thing with the sign stealing era was they you they blatantly went against the rules. They used technology in order to steal signs. That is against the rules. So that's my that's my thing on it. So I guess Joey Votto does have a little bit of like flexibility there in his statement, but he was very flip floppy on that. Um, and and yeah, it, look, I don't. Th- we're not going to get to that point because I think this is kind of the end of the sign stealing era. Um, I don't. It's only going to manage one team. So I think that yeah in the future i think altuve and correa no matter what they do in their careers is probably not going to be good it's a blemish on their record but i mean i haven't watched enough blue jay games to see how uh, away teams are treating george springer right now yeah um but like think and i it's like i brought this point too last night when we were at the game like carlos beltran carlos beltran was like that world series win like he was like all right i think he's gonna go to the hall of fame now but like he's the main guy who was a part of that scheme supposedly it's like there's a good chance he's not going to go in anymore and like he was like one of the best like switch hitters of that of his time when he was in his prime um before we move on career too i i gotta bring up a hilarious thing i saw last night on uh speaking of joey vado i was watching i was watching quick pitch and his i don't know he's he's been on a tear he's hit something like a home run like a six straight games it ended recently but um when he's hitting his home runs, he's when he's seven straight cr- games with a home run, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, when he's hitting his home runs, he's doing this. His like when he's like going on home plate. And they ask him about him, like, why do you do that? And he's like, So David Bell got me into watching uh, David Bell's the, the Reds manager. And they're like, he got me into watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> and he was telling him, like, oh, Joey, you're like Roy Kent. And he started, Why don't you explain to listeners who so Roy, Roy Kent, Kent is? Thank you. So Roy Kent is a member of the Richmond FC Football Club, and he's pretty much washed. He's over the hill. He used to play. The, foot, the Richmond FC Football Club is the team in the show Ted Lasso, which is about an American football coach who goes over to England to coach a soccer. Thank team. you, anyway, Wikipedia. You have to give context to these people. Okay. So, anyways, so Roy Kent is a washed up. Uh, soccer player at this point and he used to be like one of the best he'd play in every premier league team but now he just watched his body's kind of and he's just grumpy and stuff all the time and david bell's like you're like roy kent but when joey Votto's watching the show he really started gravitating towards jamie tart who's like this hot up-and-coming player who's very egotistic pretty much he's pretty much your stereotypical soccer player in their 20s but there's one episode where he gets like a go-ahead goal and his celebration, he's just like, me, me, that's all me, whatever. So now whenever he's hit a home run, when he's crossing home plate, he's looking at David Bell and he's doing the me, me. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm Jamie Tart. I'm not, I'm not Roy Kent. It's funny because he's old. So he kind of is like Roy Yeah, Kent. he's Roy. Yeah. Like Jamie Tart's more like a, I don't know, like like Nick Castellanos or something, or, Jamie, or Jesse Winkler or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Even though like that, have you watched the new season yet? 
No. Oh, anyway, man. let's move on. All right. So uh, good. Go watch Ted Lasso, everybody. Best show on TV. Yeah, it's A's news. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Um, all right. Yeah, A's news. Um, we were very active at the trade deadline on top of the Starling Marte trade, which is what like our entire podcast last week was about. The A's acquired on Saturday. Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison um, from the Nationals for a bunch of minor leaguers that I barely knew. Um, let me look up their names right now. Drew Melas, Seth oh, Schumann, and Richard uh, Gusach. In other well, words, that's what um, partnerships all all about. You just pick us up, pick pick one of the other up when the other one's down. Yeah. yeah. So um, pretty much guys who were probably. Uh, Drew Millis was the number 28 prospect in the farm. And look, the odds are he's probably not going to be in the majors for the Nationals because they also, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, they also picked up Kibber Ruiz from the Dodgers in the Scherzer trade. So all these, both these guys are expiring contracts more than anything. But um, hell, they're on paper, they're a much better team with these two here. Yeah. Both these guys are over the hill, let's be honest. Both of them are past their prime, but they're still good. They still get the job done. Um, the minors, the the with the, with those pitchers, they're those players though. I think it's just like it's 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 strengthening your odds for lack of better word, Julio. So like in case one of your top prospects doesn't work out, you know you kind of have one to pick. You know we'll see where his development goes. So I get it. I get it. So um, a couple things we, we wanted to talk about. I have to find the numbers I'm looking at the numbers in front of me but Jan Gomes like destroys left-handed pitching this year yeah he's and and I think we he were we talked about this before somewhere. I don't know if this is an offline thing yeah. around the show where I I've been concerned about the catching position because like look Murph's fine he's you know his his the sabermetrics, like the war of it all, will show that he's still he's a really good catcher. It's just he's inconsistent at the plate, which like he's young. This is only his second year. He's gonna figure it but, out. But but also like as much as you like Aramis Garcia, he hasn't been that good, Julio. No, that was my point. Especially that's yeah, what I was going to say. In the batter's box. So it's like they're having. So Bob Melvin's having to play Murphy more because Garcia's been so bad. So like Murph hardly gets a day off. So uh, Jan Gomes, what is he? done in this last week well he had a three-run home run on sunday against the angels and then today he hit the game tying single in the bottom of the ninth for the a's where the a game they ended up winning um John! yeah John! i think it's huge i think it's gonna be huge because <coughs> those star trek fans out there that's yeah. that's a uh, that's a reference to con in star trek never seen that movie Wrath actually con. i don't know if i should should i, should I watch it have it's one it? of the best old school Star Trek movies, but it's pretty out. Of, I mean, it was made in the '60s, Julio, so it's pretty out of date. No, it's like in the at, '80s. At Are you sure? Absolutely sure. At least the '70s, at the early. My dad made well, so basically when the new Star Trek like reboot came, <coughs> 1982. 1982. Okay. Well, oh, but Star Trek the show came out in the '60s. That's yes. Get fumbled up. Anyway. Um, my, my dad, when the, the, the like reboot, or I guess technically it's alternate, um, reality Star Trek came out in 2009, my dad, it was so good. And I was telling my dad about it and we were talking about the universe. He made me watch Wrath of Khan and it was tough to get through because I mean, it oh, was really, really good for the time. It's really good for the time. Like it's really, it's like, a, it's a well put together film. The fly's not gone. It's a well put together film. 
Um, and it's a good storyline, and it's good, like, acting and everything like that. But, I mean, like, it's just, it's 1980s sci-fi, you know, special effects and whatnot. You know, it's not, and they don't have the budget that, like, Star Wars did. Yeah, and, yeah, and absolutely. The, and the savvy that George Lucas had. So, like, it's cool, but, okay. You know, anyway. Good to know. Anyways, yawn. Uh, the one thing I'm super excited about with him is uh, we're bringing in another guy who has deep playoff experience. He was... Him yeah. and Kurt Suzuki were the catchers for the 2019 Nationals when they won the World Series. And if you just look at, I tweeted about this other night, if you just look at the pitchers Jan Gomes has caught throughout the years, uh, it's a pretty insane list. You got Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, John Lester, Trevor Bauer, Corey Kluber, Mike Clevenger, um, um, Oh, God. Yeah, he was on the Cody Cleveland Allen. World Series run team as well. Until yeah, and 16. So the guy is the kind Close of person that I think this team really needs. They need somebody who's going to help with like the, you know, he's going to be so, I think he's going to be really detriment, like really important for like Chris Bassett's development, even though he's an older guy, like think just kind of learning a little bit more from a veteran catcher. Same thing for like Aprilian and just the whole staff. He makes, he makes them a much better staff with that uh, experience. And it showed, like, this last couple of days, you put him out on lefty, and he's going to be able to provide some pop in there. Yeah. And then how's your how how do you feel about Josh Harrison? I know he – it was pretty cool when they won the, hit the walk-off today. He was, like, the first person in the dugout – or in the, the pile-up or on Ollie when, over at second. So, like, he's already kind of drinking in all the Oakland juice. I love that. Josh Harrison has been known as, like, Mr. Consistency in Pittsburgh for, like, the longest time. Like, he always hits, like, around 290. He's not, like, a big home run guy, but he can, you know, on a good season, he can get you 20 or something like that. But he's constantly good, and he's a, he's a well-rounded defender. He can play second, third, and outfield, a lot like, you know, Tony Kemp, but a better arm. Um I mean, he's two-time All-Star. Yeah, he's just Mr. Reliable. He, you know, he doesn't have much playoff experience because it's the fucking Pittsburgh Pirates. Um but he has a few, he has a few uh, a few runs at it. But um, this was my thing of the two moves, Julio, and 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 I think it's I think we learned a lot from the Dodgers World Series last season. This is Dodgers type of depth, where it's like you have guys that on seventy five percent of the teams in baseball would be starters on your bench, but it gives you more versatility in your batting order in the later inning. So in the sixth inning, when you have a runner on second and you're down by one run, you can put Josh Harrison in there as a pinch hitter and you know he's going to at least move up the runner. Or you can have confidence that he's going to move up the runner. Same with the ongoings. And you have confidence that they're going to finish out the rest of the game well on the defensive side. Like, I mean, remember that? I mean, they didn't win the World Series that year, but in 2006, 18 maybe it was 2017 Dodgers World Series team had like Chase Utley coming off the bench and Jock Peterson coming off the bench and all these guys and they all they they just find these guys who are kind of like on shitty teams at the deadline who desperately just need to be a part of winning and they get them and they just like they're huge they're huge pieces for them um, you know they're not going to contribute every day. I mean, maybe they will if if Bob Melvin uses the versatility of the lineup, which he didn't the first day they were there. I was texting you bitching about it, um, but I, I think he's going to do it more and he's going to play the matchups more and he can actually like manage with these guys as opposed to like hoping you can throw Seth Brown out there in the eighth inning 
with a runner on third and hope he's not going to strike out when he's probably going to strike out. Hate to break it to you, audience. Like, you know, like Josh Harrison, there's a good chance that he's not going to strike out, at least. And if he does, he's at least going to make a good at-bat out of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. you, Yon Gome, same thing. Came in the bottom of the ninth um, and got the game-tying single out of it. Now, yeah. all that being, uh, like, on paper, they're arguably, like, with the talent that they have from top to bottom to sign up, how guys like freaking Jed are just kind of back to what they've normally been doing, they're arguably, like, one of the best teams in the American League. But to kind of jump into the next subject, at least in this first week of this new lineup, they're still struggling offensively. Um, if you look at the numbers, uh, let me put it up for a second. You can go ahead and just talk while I pull this stuff up. You got a thing you want to say? <laughs> they, well, I mean, they stranded, they stranded seven runners, uh, yesterday. Uh, it, it, it was brutal to watch. And there was multiple times with no outs or one out when there's a runner on third and second, and then they strike out twice or they ground out. And it's just like, it just it or like a pop fly or something like that. It just it drives me insane. And like the big contributors to the runs that are being scored too in in the past um, five days since we got these guys are these three guys. Like Marte is absolutely killing it. He's he hit a home run yesterday. Um, he he's getting on base. He's stealing bases left and right. And he's getting in position, getting on third base, getting in position to to score. But but then these guys, but then you know like Olsen and and Ramon and these other guys come up to bat and they fucking strike out and then just strand him on third base. Like that's not why we got these guys. We got these guys to, and that was our issue. Our issue was we could get hits, but we couldn't get runners on base first. We couldn't bring them home. So now we're getting runners on base, but we can't bring them. Home. It's just like it's just a total clusterfuck. And they're still being aggressive on the bases, which I love because it's working. But we just need like we need more reliability from the middle of the lineup and the end of the lineup because it's just it's just not working. Josh Harrison's been great too. He comes up the bat, he gets a fucking single, gets on second. They don't bring him home. Jan Gomes obviously has been great, like bringing guys home, but he's been the only one. Like Matt Olson hit the walk off double today. That was like the first of this entire five day run that we've seen one of our guys before the deadline, you know, do anything productive with these runners on base. So since uh, Gomes and Harrison's first game, which was this past Saturday against the Angels. They've averaged about three and a half runs a game, which is not terrible. But you have to remember they scored eight runs on Sunday. Uh, they got shut out on Saturday. Yeah. They only scored one run yesterday, and then they scored five today to to even out the series with the Padres. But it it's just it's in, it, it's insanity. It's insanity that like it's this has kind of been the same problem this team has been going through for since really the whole Mats era is they've never been able to figure out how to be like runners in scoring position. Bowmel said after the 20, is it 2018, 2019 wild card, he's like, yep, we're just going to have to work on this and you get better. But it's like, these guys still haven't gotten better. And like, I brought it up on Twitter today. It's just like, I feel like every time I watch a Ramon at bat lately, I've just been seeing him strike out. Guys. Just so what do you think it is? Do you think it's young and experience or do you think it's just like, inconsistency like uh, i mean ramon's a really streaky hitter that doesn't surprise me that he's the main culprit but but like what what is it about it because like yeah you know what if i think about the walk-offs in the past like two years like you know 
they're not the main culprits that are that are winning the game. It to me, it's I think it's just an ex, it seems like kind of an experience, and it feels like they're not doing a great job of adjusting to it. Like holy crap, Matt Chapman fell off a bus this year. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people are kind of saying like it's a part of the hip injury. He, defensively, he's still Matt Chapman, but like his mm-hmm. hitting's just completely gone, and it's. I don't, I don't know if it's just the scouting department's not doing a good enough job with a lot of these guys to really learn their adjustments. Um, I don't know if it's... I know the easy way to blame is Darren Bush because if you're having... Think about this. I was thinking about this analogy earlier. We've been blaming him for three seasons. I know, but know? okay. But let me think about... Isn't that the issue right there that he's still here and we've been blaming him for three seasons? Yes, absolutely. Because think about this. And if you... A couple of things I wanted to talk about with this actually... If you think about when the early 2010s, the Bernie Lean era, you have Chili Davis, he got picked off for another job. And the fact that like nobody's willing to get any of these other guys in this coaching staff over the last few years a job somewhere else, despite of how good this team has been over these last few years, should be kind of telling with that. That like, hey, yeah. maybe it's not the coaching staff. Maybe it's just Bone Bell's managing his ass off and you're not going to get him out of there. But then two... Think about with, like, football. Think about when if you just have a team that's horrible offensively or defensively or whatever it is, and it's like 10 games in the season, nothing's changed. That offensive coordinator's fired or that defensive coordinator's fired. But for some reason, that doesn't happen in baseball. Yeah. Ne- it never happens. I don't... said it's the manager that goes, and then I guess they're all gone. But Yeah, yeah. you... you and maybe that's just kind of an, I don't know if it's an old school mindset. I don't know if there's something a little bit deeper with that, but it seems rare. It seems like it never happens where it's like a lot of people have been kind of, cause like, look, I don't, yeah, I understand these, some of these guys are streaky, but it's like, we've seen what they can do when they're on. We've seen how good yeah. Ramon is. We've seen how good Matt Chapman is. And it's like your job as a coach is you got to f- help these guys adjust. You got to help these guys to learn to, get through these situations where it's like the pitchers are going to learn to pitch you hit pitch to you better or go around it. And it's like, if you're still having the same situation, the same problem for the last three years across the board, more or less then that's not on them, man. I hate to say it like that's, I don't think that's on them. That's all on coaching. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Bob Melvin, that's for you, buddy. So um, I know I'm sure you're good friends with 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 Darren Bush, and you would hate to see him go. But you know sometimes it's a little bit more than that. Speaking of old friends, <laughs> hey, your your segues are on point today. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, Chris Davis. Um, he was cut by the Rangers a few months ago, a month ago, maybe two months ago. I believe it was June. I could be wrong. Um, and since then, he's been hanging out at home, um, just hitting in the cage. So, uh, Billy Bean and the boys, and Dave Force and the boys called him up, asked him if he wanted a minor league deal. He signed it, so he's back to Oakland. But he will be um, training in uh, at the Arizona camp, at the Arizona facility, which is the training camp facility, for a couple weeks, and then he'll uh, p- potentially join Las Vegas um, for a little bit. We'll see what happens. We probably won't see him this season. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's cool that he's back, but, um, I mean, what a fall from grace. It's a little depressing. Real talk. 
Do you think he could do better than Mitch Moreland right now? No. Mitch Moreland at least like gets big hits when you need him. He's not consistent, That's but he true. gets big hits when you need him. That's like, true. Um, he's been the only guy who really like delivers in those big moments. Maybe, yeah. My brother, or Elias, my brother Elias, shout out Elias. He's speculating. He's like, he thinks that KD is going to retire and that he just wanted to come up, maybe get a game in an Oakland and retire as an A, which that would be great. I hope he doesn't retire. He's still pretty young, but um, that would be an interesting way to do it. That's um, interesting. Uh, I like that. That's an interesting take. Yeah, which I, I would be well, shocked, but I don't, I don't think, oh, yeah, I don't think we're going to see him. The only way I'll yeah. see him up there is like maybe during September call ups and if he can, like, hitter wise, I don't really know who would be up there besides him. Like, Seth Brown will be back up again and like maybe machine to kind of give some rest like the infield but like that that's the especially, only time I c- yeah especially elvis andrews yeah that could be the only time i could see him coming back up but honestly nick, I'm allen, just, nick allen will be back by then from the olympics so it'll probably yeah, be but nick he's, allen that gets brought up no well nick allen will probably just get brought up to triple a from double a oh i thought he was in i thought I he, he was in triple a vegas. or double a no he was with vegas hmm. um but you know, I'm just glad he's still playing. I think when we talked about last time when he was DFA'd, we were scared like, oh shit, no one's gonna bring him back. I'm like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he can at least come back, play some ball, I'm sure he can hit the crap out of the ball in Vegas. Just knowing how it just really blows up over there, it'll really benefit him. But um, it's just it's just good. To, it's a good story. Yeah, because think about it, Julio. If Mitchie Two Bags is not playing DH, maybe it's like an off day or something, then it's probably Piscotti or Josh Harrison or Jan Gomes. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't make sense for him to play there um, when when you have three other guys who are more than capable of filling in that DH spot. Yeah, exactly. At that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with uh, trade deadlines, winners and losers. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back um, to Town Tailgate Podcast. That's Julio. I'm Chris. Hey. Time for some winners and losers from the deadline because we had the absolute most wild deadline that I have ever experienced in my lifetime that I can remember. I mean, there, dude, Julio, there was deals. It was like starting at 6 in the morning, and it didn't end until 10 o'clock at night, and there was at least a deal, at least one deal every hour of the day. Like and and then like around like noon and one, you're talking like three or four deals an hour. Like and for three for 24 straight hours, it was insane. Like I remember like I was in Tahoe with my family because every year we do this like annual Tahoe trip to get together. And on Friday, like I'm interrupting like whatever my parents are doing like every like five minutes, just be like, oh another trade, oh another trade. Like it was just absolutely insane. It was a very uh, hard to be productive end of week in between that oh, yeah. and then uh the nba draft going on or yeah. like oh the prospects like who's gonna get traded it was very much like twitter all the time um but it was awesome listeners me and me and julio already text each other more or less all day every day about sports and like those particular days it was just non-stop like every five minutes there was a text from one of us but now let's uh let's do our a hot, a hot take-ish segment go our winners and losers uh, how we're going to do this is we'll each pick, pick three of each category, three winners, three losers. Um, I say let's start it off with our winners first here. Uh, Chris, being the gentleman I am, 
You can go ahead and take the lead on this first one. Good, because uh, I was hoping you'd get me, because the winners of the A's, I'm telling you right yes. now, for all the reasons that we said in the last segment, the winners of the A's, because it, I think it showed these past couple seasons, in order to get to the World Series, you have to play this model, and that's the Dodger model, and that's get as much depth to get as much lineup versatility as possible. And right now, there is a whole lot. And a lot of people were calling for designating Steven Piscotty for assignment or cutting him. No, no, that is not what you want to do. You want to keep the big bats in your lineup. Yeah, he's not going to get much playing time, but so what? I would rather have him in our lineup than Seth Brown or or uh, I forgot who the guy was that they sent down when Marte came up, the minor leaguer. I, who cares what his name is? Um, he was an infielder. Jacob Wilson. Jacob Wilson. I would rather Wilson! have Steven I'd rather have Stephen Piscotty because Stephen Piscotty's got a massive arm in the outfield. So I know that at the end of a game, if he comes in like the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, he's going to throw guys out. I know that he has experience in playoff games, so maybe his bat's not reliable, but you know that he's going to take the at bat a lot more seriously than these younger guys have been doing. I mean, no, you want that. You want that versatility. You want that experience in the lineup. You want that depth. You want guys you can trust. And right now, I trust. 99% of the guys in on this roster, big time. And so the A's are fucking winners. And the reality is, I mean, we got one of the, the – with Marte, we got one of the biggest guys available. So, yeah, I feel like we deserve a win for that. No, absolutely. Um, I know a lot of people were really sad about getting rid of Lizardo. I know some people were already saying, like, yeah, you're going to give him the hype. It's just like he, did, he didn't have it this year. And, like, this is of such a small window with this core now. And the last thing you want is to kind of end up with another Sonny Gray situation where it looks better in retrospective because we got James Caprillion at it and she's on the IL right now, which we probably should have brought that up earlier. But he's he's going to be back this week, though. Yeah, like, but Bob it's Milton like... said it wasn't serious, so he's going like, to yeah, be back. But, like, the last thing you want is to just have this really great pitcher on a non-competitive team and then you're just kind of... And that trade brought us nothing. Oh, by the way, uh, Jorge Mateo got defied by the Padres. So it's like, great. Like, that just shows you that we really got shafted besides Caprillion. Um, but no, absolutely. I think Marte, uh, David Forrest kept saying Marte was, like, in their opinion, the best position player available. And fuck, in the first week, he's shown it, man. It's, he's been electric on the base pads. He's been electric with this glove. Um, even though today he, there was, I think it was, uh, I think it was that Grisham double where they scored a couple runs off of it where he's going to have to learn to play in the Coliseum. Whereas, like, you can tell he was kind of second-guessing himself when he was, like, going up against the outfield wall, whereas Ramon would have been like, oh, cool, I get it. He'll learn that over time. And I think whatever struggles we're talking about right now and frustrations we're having, like, the offense is still in it there, they're going to figure that out too because, like, you know, this has been less than a week of this team together, this new team more or less, and they're going to – they'll figure it out. And I love this move. I really do think, like, they put them back up there in, in terms of, like, the American League talent. I wish they got another bullpen arm, but uh, on paper, they're, they're prime, man. I think they're ready to make a good run. But Julio, Marte made up for it by stealing third in the bottom of the ninth and setting up the game-tying run, which he stealing was. Stealing second. So, or stealing. He stole third, too, didn't he? No. Oh, Someone wait. Yes, third. you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, didn't he steal third? Yeah. And he, he was the – I don't – maybe he wasn't the game-tying run. If I'm Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe he was the uh, 
the because uh, uh, it was three one. He maybe he was the the second in the three two run. But I yeah I know he stole third for that for that run uh, and made up for it. <clears throat> um, I wanted to talk on on your point. I I, I want to reiterate. Sorry for if you didn't listen last week. Um, we rationalize this deal for Lazardo because if you go and look at the contracts for all the pitchers on our starting rotation, plus the guys in um, the top guys in uh, in Triple A for us, Dalton Jeffries and blinking, but it doesn't matter. Grant oh, Holmes, AJ Puck, AJ Puck, AJ Puck, AJ Puck. Everybody's locked up till at least past next season. So we have them this season. We have them next season. After that, Chris Bassett, Sean and I, we got to figure it out. Either we move you or we keep you. After that, we have James Caprillion until 2026. We have AJ Puck till 2027. We have Dalton Jeffries till 2026. We have Cole Irvin till 2026. We have Frankie Montas till 2026. Like we're good. We have it. We have the the established um, pitching talent to handle whatever we're gonna go through for the next couple years whether it be a rebuild or another playoff run next year. So, you know, it's an unfortunate casualty, but, you know, it's it's the price of war, and right now we're at war. And and what do you know? We have a, a, a mountain of alt- artillery over there in, over in the corner to, to, to get us through the next few years. So, all right, Julio, sorry, your winner? Uh, it's actually the team that I'm currently watching right now with their starting pitcher who just struck out 10 in his first game. In this New Jersey, I'm going at the Dodgers. The Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers just really bulldozed over the National League with getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Um, Scherzer was very rumored going to the Padres, and that kind of fell through. He is now a Dodger. And God, if it, it, when I was at the game last night, and I was just looking at the Dodgers like lineup, and uh, Trey Turner hasn't played yet because he's still out with COVID. He he should be back probably by the weekend, I'd imagine. But it's like, whose spot does he even take this lineup? Are you going to have him take over Corey Seager, who's just come back from the IL? He's been playing well. No. You're going to have him take over for... uh, Mookie was playing second last night, and he made an excellent play out there as well. Like, Cody Bellinger is going to be right on the bench for this team. You're going to have a former MVP playoff hero riding the bench for this team now and now you're think about it you're going to go into a five game series seven game series against this Dodgers team where they're going to throw out Clayton Kershaw Walker Bueller Max Scherzer and then Julio Urias and also they have a former Cy Young winner in David Price even though he has been as well like this they they've just really stacked the cards for their favor um yeah. they're very much their very much philosophy of baseball is what the Yankees think they are Mm-hmm. Which are they? What the Yankees were? Let me rephrase that. They're not yeah. this team anymore. I'm like, dude, Yankee fans. But here's the thing about about what the Yankees were. Well, like, how many World Series do they have to show for that era when they were buying up players? They have one, 2009. Well, if you want to count the Jeter, just Jeter's whole time. No. Okay. No. No. Because 90, 96, 99 through 2000 uh, for. 98 through 2000, those were homegrown guys. When they That's started true. buying guys up, it did. No, it but they had a lot work. of old, they had a lot of OGs there. You know, they had former Oakland Gate, Oakland Great, uh, Scott Spezio there. Or not Scott Spezio. Um, oh my God. Space now, it was his third baseman, Yankees. Oh, like Wade Boggs was there. 
And like they had a bunch of old time guys. The nineties era? Yes. Wade Boggs won a World Series in ninety six and they had him he was riding around Yankee Stadium on a horse after he just left the Scott no. Oh, so he was the Scott best player Brocious. On their team. Scott Brocious. He was, Thank he you. was the best player on their team, according to you. Wade Boggs? Role player role players don't count. So so Wade Boggs was the best player on their team? Is that what you're saying? Okay. But anyways, that's yes. why that's why they called that team the core four because it was like the core four that went up through the ranks anyway. Yeah, but um, no, like I, the, the Dodger, the Yan- Yankees think their philosophy is what the Dodgers are now, and yeah. it's just look, I get the hate, and because I live down here, I think both of us drink a little bit of the Dodger Kool Aid because of. You know, we've been down here for... I lived down here for eight years now. You've been here down here just as long, if that a little bit longer. Seven. Seven years, yeah. And um, it's just... You're seeing the potential of baseball at its finest with this kind of thing. Whereas, like, the Lakers, different story. Now forever, fuck the Lakers. Never. Though with, like, the Dodgers, it's just, like, you're seeing... Every time you're going to go out into a Dodger game now, you're going to see a Hall of Famer there. It's yeah. like last night, like, dude, I got to see Mookie out there. I got to see, like, I was 30 feet away from, like, I saw Clayton Kershaw at the dugout, whatever. But um, I think it re- they really put themselves out in the lead of the National League in terms of the other teams that really, they really just kind of stomped the foot on the Padres, especially with, like, mm-hmm. Tatis hurt. I think that we'll talk a little bit more about the Giants, I'm assuming. Uh, but I, I really like the team. Even though they gave up a couple of the top prospects, they're so deep farm-wise, they're going to be okay. Spoiler alert, I'm not talking about the Giants, so maybe you are, but I'm not. Anyway, uh, but don't you want to see Turner over at third because then you'll see uh, Trey Turner at, th- or at second because then you can see Trey- Turner and Turner at, at second and third? Well, the rumor is Trey Turner couple, is going to be playing A couple second. of Turners cutting it up. That's what I'm talking about, huh, Dano? Hey. All right, who you got? Throwback to Levitard. Uh, are we doing a loser now or still winners? Let's go. Let's, let's go winners. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll no, let's, take it let's go. Let's go back and forth. Let's go. Let's go losers. So uh, the losers are the Cubs fans. That's my loser. Um, end of an era, man, and that's tough. And and um, you know the the four guys that were the stars of their team that won them that World Series in 2016 and got them to an NLCS in 2015 and in in a matter of two days they're all gone. And if I'm a Cubs fan, that's just brutal. Because when they won that first World Series, everybody was saying it, including me. Like, trust, trust me, this is, this is not the first. This is not the first. You got Chris Bryant in his second year. You got Javi in his first year. Not one. R- not Rizzo two. in his fourth year. You got, you know, it's just, it, it's brutal, man. And I, I feel for Cubs fans. I We've been there. I know what it's like. 2014 was this for us. You know, when Moss and... Donison and fucking Cespedes and all those guys go. It's just it sucks, but um, yeah. So the biggest losers to me are the Cubs fans, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I. The worst part is, it didn't have to be this way. No, I think all these and it sound all a lot of these guys are pretty heartbroken about getting traded. Chris Bryant, they showed a clip of him, in the dugout of like him like crying when he found out because like. Think about it, man. Think about like yeah. you think about being a part of that team where you broke a hundred plus year old like World Series drought. You're always yeah. gonna hold that team to heart. And to kind of see them all go out the way they did, even though I think they're all in better situations that they were beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's just like their ownership has really fallen to shits. 
the fact that like Theo Epstein was like, yo, I'm gone. I don't want to be a part of this just shows like, I feel like things are going to be getting worse for the Cubs than they are getting better. And it just sucks. It's like Cubs fans are some of the most loyal people you'll ever meet. Um, you know, shout out to my guy, Arvin Tabula over there. Um, and it, it just sucks because like they've been through enough. They've been through yeah. enough and they got the World Series, but it's just like it seems like they're just gonna be going back to bad times again. And here's the thing though. Bright side. Um stay positive towards the end of that conversation. Rizzo, Brian, Javi, Schwarber, all those guys, they are still forever going to be legends in Chicago. Always. Their names are gonna be in the rafters. They're never gonna buy a beer for the rest of their life in that city. Like they are st- at the end of the day, they are still absolute legends, and they deserve to be because that was a hell of a fought World Series, and yeah. So, R.I.P. Cubs fans. Um, good luck next year. All right, Julio, who's your loser? What the hell are you doing, Rockies? With the future. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. You held on to Trevor. Like you have Trevor Story, pending oh, free agent. Man. You have Charlie Blackman. Contract is going to be coming up soon. You have John Gray, pending free agent. You didn't move any of them. You like to help rebuild your team? What the hell are you doing? And they now trade now Trevor Story doesn't even like want to play at all right now and just sitting out. What are you doing? That's like did do you think they didn't have service? You maybe that worked? I, I haven't been to Colorado, but I would imagine. But um, it it just oh. seems like the asking price for Trevor Story was insane because it, it sounded like the Yankees were very committed to try to make a move for him. It didn't happen. Um, multiple teams are trying to get Trevor Story. It's like they just weren't willing to budge on it. And yeah. it's just so bizarre to me that in the this last offseason, they traded Arenado after tra- find, signing this fat extension. And the, the return's been actually decent so far on paper. I know like Austin Gomber was like one of the main guys was a part of it. And he's actually been like a pretty solid pitcher out there for the Rockies. But it's like you're – Look, you're you're not going to compete against the Dodgers. You're not going to compete against the Padres. You're not going to compete against the Giants, and maybe you're going to be fighting with the Diamondbacks for fourth. So, like at this point, why not just blow up your team and send it all out? Why not do it? And they didn't. And that's what the thing I'm so confused about. Why just they didn't do it? And what the with what the Padres and the Dodgers are doing, like they're not going to compete with them for, for the next few years. Like so even more reasons like start building a team for three or four years from now when like kind of you know the era just starts to change a little bit yeah i don't i mean what the fuck man like i i don't know i mean look i'm sure rocky's fans are happy because they still get to keep watching trevor story but your team's still gonna be pathetic you're gonna you're not gonna be watching for much longer enjoy these last two months yeah Exactly. All, All right, Julio. Positive. Now? Let's go happy. Who's you, who are you happy for? Who won? Um, I'm going to save the obvious one for you, and I want to go with one because I thought this, this team was interesting. Um, And if you don't say the obvious one, I'll just say what the obvious one is after you. Um, The Phillies. The Phillies were underwhelmingly, like, they made, like, really good moves. I didn't realize it until I started looking at the free agency tracker. So they got Eddie Galvis, Kyle Gibson, and Ian Kennedy. Um, 
I don't have their place in the standings right now, but the NL East is pathetic. We've talked about this multiple times in this podcast. They definitely could could potentially make a run um, in that division. Um, but I mean, wow! I I mean, th- that's pretty impressive. Like, and they kind of really hit the needs that they had. Like, uh, uh, yeah, really under the radar. And we talked about Kyle Gibson probably being the best starter besides Scherzer, Scherzer available in the market, and they get him. Um, same with Ian Kennedy being one of the better closers. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I thought they deserved some credit. I actually had the Phillies as my number two winner besides the Dodgers. Yeah, I love both of those moves. I think just really shoring up that rotation. If they can, if they're only a game and a half out of first behind the Mets. The Mets have been uh, the Mets are four or six in their last ten, and um, yeah, the the Phillies. Bryce Harper's actually low key been playing really good this year. Uh, I know he's been injured, but like his his like stat line's been pretty nice so far. And if they can make it into a division series and they're going to throw out a three-gamer or at best of five of Aaron Nola, a Zach Wheeler, Kyle Gibson, you're in great shape, man. I think you're being I mean, really wow, good shape. I mean, wow, dude, they're only a game and a half behind the Mets. Like, yeah. It's totally possible. Now you're going to have Ian Kennedy to kind of you shut down the team for them? I zoned out, so I apologize. I did say yeah. that. And you did zone out, but that's okay. I'm used to it. I was I was trying to load the standings, and it, it you know it made no sense because you set them, so I didn't have to load them. Yeah, I, I honestly I'm glad you brought that up. I really love that move. Um, and yeah, I, I, the Phillies have been a really weird team this year. Uh, they're significantly worse away than they are at home, and um, mm-hmm. who knows? This maybe this will be the thing that put them over the top. This division is very winnable. Uh, my next winner here, uh, I'm going to give some – I feel like, look, Giants fans, we shit on you all the time. You deserve it. You deserve the stereotype of the Patagonia who's just going off there, coming off of their shift at WeWork and going over wearing their Allbirds. Also, I do love Allbirds. I do have a pair and also have a Patagonia jacket. Besides the point, um, I think they made a move that made them significantly better with getting – Chris Bryant. Um, the biggest thing uh, I've was kind of the, when the move went down, I was kind of questioning like, why would they make that move when Evan Longoria, who's having a pretty solid year before he got hurt, he's going to be coming back from the IL pretty soon. I think soon. he started. I think he starts rehab like tomorrow. Yeah, it's like why would you make that move when he's pretty close to coming back? Because um, Chris Bryant's been playing a little bit of everywhere this year. He was playing some center yeah. field for the Cubs. He's been playing some right field. Um, and now they're going to experiment with them. And I'm not going to lie, man. Look, I'm, I've softened up a little bit more on the Giants. <laughs> Was that your dog? Was that yeah, your dog? Yeah, shout out to Raymundo over here. Um, I've you're softened gonna, up. You're not gonna, you're not gonna give her a, or give him a, a, a cameo it's a girl. like you do Deviolta. Her, oh, uh, she just, like she just laid in the bed. I can't, I can't. She does have an A's bandana, so that's fantastic. Okay. But all right, um, keep going. Sorry. Um. He looks great in the Giants jersey. I'll say that. Like, it looks really cool seeing him out there. Uh, I wish they, in terms of, like, a baseball fan, what I thought they could have done, I, I think they could have done better with, like, another back-end starter. But they did bring back Tony Watson, who had some pretty solid years as a Giant when he was, like, one of the only key players during those weird post-World Series teams. Um, I don't know if it's going to be enough to really withhold, like, the charge of the Dodgers. But I think they made themselves a better team at the end of the day. 
and they're going to bring somebody in who is Chris Bryant. You, I've tried trading from for him from you multiple times in fantasy league, and you're like, no man, he's been so good, and he has been. He's below P having a great year with the. He was having a great year at the Cubs. Um, he's having a real big bounce back after last year. I think it's really going to shore up that lineup. And now the Giants are going to be having Tommy Lastella is going to be coming back pretty soon. Um, they're getting healthy. There's a potential that Joey Bart is going to be coming up to at least provide a little bit more um, to give like Buster some days off, bring a belt on a Simon AAA. They're really starting to shore themselves up. This like old guy softball team is um, really starting to click. And I think, Chris Bryant's going to be there to kind of finalize things. And, you know, Giants, good for you guys. You and, and Plus, they gave up barely anything again. Look, bro, don't take out your frustrations with our fantasy league and not trading on me. I traded with you this season. I'm, like, one of the one people who actually did trade with you. So. And I think that was a very even trade. Yeah, it worked out great for us. Just my team just overall sucks. Anyway, um... <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, the, look, I, I, I didn't say that the Giants aren't on my winners list because they're like, that wasn't a good move. Hey, look, there he is. Finally, or he, or she, sorry. Finally, finally making an appearance, uh, for the YouTube listeners. Uh, say hi, Ray. That's Julio's dog. Hey, anyway, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not hating on it being like, it, it's not a, it's, it wasn't a good move. Like they, they made a good move. Like, but are they, are, are they one of like the top winners of this deadline? No, but did they, yeah, they, they did well. They were a winner. They, they like success, successful move and they are better for it. Um, yeah, I thought the same thing. Like you could play outfield. One of my friends who's a Giants fan, Jesse, he was saying like, Cause I didn't know what Longoria's situation was, so I was like, "Why? Like, why would they make this move?" Like, and he's like, "Longoria's coming back soon." I'm like, "Oh, Longoria's coming back soon? This is news to me." And he's like, "Yeah, why can't Chris Bryant could play second if he wants to?" I was like, "I don't know if he'd play second, but he definitely could play outfield because he's played outfield this season." So we'll see where he goes. He hit a home run in his first game, which is pretty fucking cool. So nice, shout out to him. A uh, couple things actually. <clears throat> Speaking of home runs, one, I got the Dodgers game on. Correa just hit a home run off of Joe Kelly. Really tried to pimp up. They're losing by four. But two, all of the ex-Cubs hit a home run within their first or second game. Yeah, that was, cool. yeah. that was pretty cool. All right, let's get some negative negativity here. Who's your loser? All right, I'm torn between two, but I... Th They're both AL Central teams. All right, Julio, you pick a one or two. That'll be the one I pick. Two. Too. All right, so the White Sox. Um, oh, you you gave up Nick Madrigal for a rental premier setup man, for a rental premier setup man. I don't know how bad their bullpen is. It must be that bad because you gave up Nick Madrigal, a great second baseman, potentially going to be one of the best second basemen's in baseball in a couple years. Very young. He look. He had an injury this year. It's unfortunate, but like. I mean, he was one of the best players on your team for Craig Kimball for two months. And you already have Liam Hendricks. Like, maybe you're, the back end of your bullpen is that unreliable that you needed that. But I don't know, man. That's a loss to me. Now they're going to have to figure out their second base situation for the next few years. So, I guess, maybe. I mean, they have depth. They can figure it out. So but. they did trade for Cesar Hernandez, uh, who was, like, their second baseman for the Indians, which, like, Look, if you just need somebody to fill in a spot who's, like, above average, great. That's the way to go. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I did have the White Sox down. 
and then I erased it because like I think that's given up way too much, especially for a crosstown rival. Way too much. And then I read, you're gonna feel bad about this too. Um, so Craig Kimbrell's daughter has a heart condition, and <sighs> a part of the reason he wanted oh, to be traded to the God. White Sox is like he wanted to still stay in Chicago. Uh-huh. At least close to. Sorry, why don't no. they? Why don't they? Why don't they make that more newsworthy? When Steven Piscotty got traded, everybody knew the reason why he got traded. I think it's a little like more an asshole. I think it's a little more of a sensitivity because it's children, and you you know you don't really want to bring uh, that stuff up. But yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, he could have gone to. There's not a lot of good teams up in the Midwest right now. Never mind. Yeah. That that being said. <laughs> I think if look if you, if if you want to take the personal reasons out, um, I think giving up that much, where I don't think Nick Magical was going to be too far off from becoming an everyday second baseman and becoming a really good guy, for a yeah. guy who, if you wanted to set up, man, there was a ton of available credit. I know uh, the like the Blue Jays had picked up Joaquim Soria and all that. Um, but it's like, yeah, I just, I think that's a very, very hefty price. And coming from a somebody who has a, from a fan base who gave up one of their old price prospects, if they want to make the argument saying like, hey, timeline, but it's like the, the White Sox are super young. This is a, mm-hmm. still a pretty young team offensively on paper, at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I... I I, I applaud the teams for make this deal move for the family matter, for the personal matter, for Craig Kimball. That's honestly a fantastic thing to do. But from a baseball fan perspective, um, it's if this doesn't work out for them this year, they're really going to hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I have nothing left to add. Uh, oh, I'll uh, I'll add my uh, obvious winner was um, the Yankees, but I'm not sure if they're winners or losers because they didn't address their issue, really. I didn't get to so. say my loser yet. Oh, is it the Yankees? I was going to say the Yankees because, uh, look, you know what? Because of that, I get, and I'll just say a little blip about the Yankees. No, just take the Yankees. Just take the Yankees. No, because there's two other teams I really want to focus on. There's two other teams I really want to focus on, but I'm going to give a little blip about the Yankees. Cool. You got more pop in your lineup, but the problem with that lineup is they don't have enough athleticism out there. So you're going to add Joey Gallo is a great outfielder, but he's not going to be somebody who's if I was the Yankees, I really just would have put as much as possible against Darlin Marte because he would have been insane out there. More, he would have been more valuable for them than I think Rizzo and Marte Galloway. Built like a beautiful, he's dude. Just that a beautiful guy's man. Jack. That Can guy's we talk about jack. that for a split second? Like yeah, when he like, first came let's up, do thirty seconds on it. Yo, that guy is a fucking ripped. Wow, yeah. I was shocked. <laughs> like it first... shows through the uniform. Wow, impressive. Good for you, man. Anyways, loser. Um, Angels, look, you have a lot of expiring contracts this year. And I'm sure if John was on here, he would agree with this. And the only guy you gave up was Andrew Heaney, who got lit up in his first start as a Yankee, <laughs> which hilarious. But um, a lot of these guys, so like we've talked about this before, where it's like Jose Iglesias is a printing free agent. Uh, I think Rafael Iglesias is a printing free agent. And there's a couple of the guys that are like, you could have easily sent them out to get something at least for 
maybe not next year, but a couple years down the line, and they didn't. I thought they were going to be a lot more active on the trade deadline. Uh, we just got the news today that Anthony Radone is done for the year. He had hip surgery, yeah. so, you know, best of luck. Hopefully you can come back the player he was. Uh, Mike Trout hasn't been playing. It's pretty much like, the, I don't know if you've seen the tweet where it was like, Oh, Mike Trout just hit his third home run of the ball game, and Shohei Ohtani just did something that hasn't happened since 1912 by Bags McBlinaland or something like that. The Angels lose 8-3. Like, I did not see that. No, oh, yeah. somebody was like, yeah, and it's like every time the Angels just do this ridiculous thing, it's the same thing. Somebody reposts yeah. that tweet where it's just like, oh, my God, look this. Oh, yeah, they still lost. And to me, it's like they're not going to be in a playoff contention. They're not going to no. do anything this year, unfortunately. Like, look, even if you're in catch of the A's, which they're not going to be because they're still behind Seattle, you're still going to have to try to go past Toronto and, and Seattle New York has some really and Tampa. good young talent coming up too. Like some really yes. good young talent. So to me, I'm just like, you have a lot of these guys where I think they could have been super valuable rental players and yeah. you didn't get the most out of it. So that's why I say they're a loser. Yeah. I think they could have been more active on the deadline and helped other teams out and try to see if something can come through. And they didn't. Uh, I was looking away. I'm still listening to you. I'm sorry. It's just the USA game just started. So I'm, uh, or it started a little bit ago. So I'm just watching. Oh my God. They're down 21 to 16 to Australia in the semifinals. Okay. Um, so let's wrap it up. Julio. Oh wait, are we uh, getting, are we getting one more each? No, no, let's wrap it up. Screw it. Uh, oh, we can do one more each. All right. All right, here we go. My last winner. We'll do it live. My last winner. Oh shit! I don't have any more because I said the Yankees already. No, no, no! Give I, give me your argument for the Yankees. I'm I mean, very curious. Dude, I mean they're kind of winners because they got the best first baseman available. They got one of the best hitters available. Um, so like I get it. Like you know, like it 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 it, it makes sense to me. I I I understand. Um. Uh, like what they did. But they didn't address their issue, which is starting pitching, kind of. Andrew Heaney, kind of. Like, barely. They didn't address their major issue. If, if I'm Brian Cashman, I'm going all in on Scherzer. I'm going all in on Kyle Gibson. I'm going all in on these premier <coughs> starters. Danny Duffy, at least, would have been a better, too. Going all in on these top-tier these top tier starters of the deadline to try and, like, to try and like resolve this issue. But, no, instead they get more bats. It's just, like, I don't know what Andrew Cashman's, like, People around him is scouting or his analytics department is telling him. They're just like, oh, no, more offense is way better. Like, what? No, like, no, some, no, especially not this year. Especially not this year. So, it's just um, a mess. I think Rizzo is a fantastic. So, something I've, um, we've talked about with the Schlatters offline is just like the Yankees just don't seem like a fun team. Like, when you see no. like the Boston's dugout, they have a, t- they seem like such a really rambunctious bunch that having had a lot of fun. And I yeah. think bringing in, um, like, Anthony Rizzo, that's going to change it up a lot. I think it's going to keep things a lot really loose. We kind of know his history as a player where he's, you know, Frederick! Yeah. Come back, Frederick! Like, one of the best yeah. moments of the year. Uh, so, yeah, I, I applaud them for that. So, I don't know if it's going to be enough, but... No, it's not. It's I'm telling you it's not. And Because, look, I, I, I know the Rays, they made a few minor moves, not, like, the big flashy ones. But that team just has so much depth, especially in the farm system, that they're, like, ready to bring up that it's going to work. And then Boston is, like, a train that just doesn't stop. I don't know how they are that as good as they are. Like, they have just a lot of above-average players, except for, like, 
Maybe Xander Bogarts is probably a star. I feel like Rafael Devers was two years ago, but he fell off a little bit. He's still good. Don't get me wrong. He's still good. I think he was but an like, all-star this year. Okay, so it being an both all-star all-stars. means means that you're a star. I mean, you're just like this major star. I mean, Rafael Devers is probably the best third baseman in the American League right now. Let's look at his stats. You're gonna feel really dumb. Rafael Devers. Oh wow, he's only 24 years old. That's pretty tight. Average 285, 27 home runs. Wow, that's a lot. Okay, anyway. <laughs> last year, I feel like last year didn't play so well. Yeah, because the Red Sox sucked games, last year. 263 and 11 home runs. Okay, cool. Anyways. Uh, so they have two uh, stars. My- but, like, the rest of their guys are just above average, like, good guys that just get the job done. Like, Hunter yeah. Renfro just fucking smacks home runs. Obviously, um, um, wow, DH. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is great. Um, but, you know, has been awesome. Christian Vasquez is cool. Yeah. Um, and, they got Kyle uh, Schwarber now. We'll see how that matters. But They do. But it's just kind of – it's just weird. Like, they, they just feel like a kind of a ragtag team a little bit. But anyway, rag-tag either way, it doesn't matter. They're, they're a train that doesn't stop. They're like, yeah. they're like the Giants yeah. this year. They're a train that's not stopping. If I was – again, we brought this up multiple times – I would have put money on them to win the World Series. At least to go to the oh, World yeah. Series, especially with like Chris Sale coming back. Even though this is supposed to be like a you saying a win for the Yankees, I still think Boston's gonna. I think that's. But I also had them out. as a loser, so just take what I'm saying for with a grain of salt because I didn't have a fourth, and you took my fourth. So I'm gonna third, I'm gonna tell you mine right now. You ready? In the yeah. same division, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Jose Barrios coming through in that rotation. So now you're going to bring it out. Rotate a, a late trade too. Yes, that was a very late yes. trade. So now you have a rotation of Jose Barrios, Hajim Ryu, um, Alex Manoa has been pretty solid as a rookie, and then Robbie Ray, who's just kind of had a you know rejuvenation come back from Arizona. They yeah. look, they've looked really good. They shorted the bullpen. They got Brad Hand from the Nationals, uh, and now like George Springer is healthy out there. They're arguably like the most fun team in the american league like they're like the padres of the american league in a sense that like mm-hmm. a lot of really cool personalities a lot of just really badass i would agree players. with that and a lot of young talent that's like just fun to watch yeah yeah exactly like um i don't know if you saw the picture the other day but vladdy guerrero had the day off and they just taped him to the bench that day because they're like you're not playing they just like duct taped him <laughs> to the bench but no i think it in that division where the depth of the Rays, the power of the Yankees, and then just the kind of the scrappiness of the Red Sox, you're going to need those guys who are going to put some outs. And Jose Barrios is actually in a much better year than we thought he was on paper. Yeah. And I'm, I think that was one of the best destinations possible for him. I could, I could still see the Rays making a run at the division. They're only I have it in front of me as you hear my drink clattering around. Uh, what are you drinking over there? Because normally you just drink beer. I actually, so uh, last weekend, two weekends ago, we went to Hollywood, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, watched Pulp Fiction. Great time. Nice. Still holds up. A little problematic, but still really good. Uh, but there's every, a... Every Quentin Tarantino movie is a little problematic these days. You're not wrong. But uh, we went to a bottle shop over at the Row near downtown LA. I can't remember the name of it, but they have like this big leader of like margaritas that like it serves oh, yeah cool. so i'm drinking a nice margarita on the rocks and it's quite delicious 
Nice. Anyways, uh, they're seven back from the Rays, but there's still a lot of time left. I could see them still making a move, especially with these moves they made to kind of shore up. So Blue Jays, I'm rooting for you guys. I hope they're in. They're a really exciting team. I think they're a really good team for baseball. Chris, last loser. Let's go. So my last loser, since I forgot that we're doing three, is going to be the other um, uh, AL uh, Central team, uh, the Twins. Um, the Twins were in the playoffs last year. They lost the first round. That's unfortunate. This year, it's a train wreck. No signs of turning that around. They do nothing. They do nothing. Literally nothing. They don't sell a single player. And they have good players to sell off. Byron Bucks. They sold Josh Barrios. Donaldson. They, touche. They did sell. And Nelson Cruz. Um, oh, fuck. That's right. They did sell Nelson Cruz. But, but okay, so if you're going to do that, why not get rid of everybody else? Like, come on, exactly. dude. Exactly. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's just like... I don't know what they're doing over there. It's just like it, it, I understand that you have this curse and you're like determined to like to to win like you know a playoff series, but like I don't know. It, it feels like when they when they have a good team, they don't go all, all in. Kind of a lot like the A's minus 2014 in this year, they don't go all in. And then when they have like I don't know, it's just and then it, when when it time when it's time to like turn turn it over and get get it done, get like change out the new regime and like you know try and build new prospects and stuff like that and better your odds by getting more prospects they don't do that they had joe mauer for like 20 years they had like uh justin morneau for so i mean it's just like i don't i just don't you know what santana? their mentality is like yeah let me want santana they just like you you it's like they just they want to I, I don't know maybe they just want to sell tickets and they want to put have a poster board for their team but I, I, and, but if you want to win championships, that's not how you. That's not how you do it. I yeah, it, it seems like they're not. They're very similar to the A's in that they're not in the, um, just tank to tank, kind of yeah. boat. But it's like this is the this is the kind of team that you tank. Josh Donaldson with his contract now should not be on this team, mm-hmm. and like, you know, Byron Buxton. I I don't hate them for keeping him because when he is healthy, he's been pretty electric these last couple of years. But, like, Max Kepler, you easily could have found a home for him. Max um, Kepler, too. Tyler, Taylor Rogers, One of the Rogers, Whatever Rogers is at the Twins right now, he, you easily could have found a home from him and got some pieces back. And it, it's kind of the same thing what, we, what I just brought up with the Angels. Like, you could have been a little more aggressive and you really could have rebuilt your farm system with some of the pieces that you have there. Because the reality is the White Sox are going to be good for a few years. Um, the Indians will – or, sorry, the Guardians – are not going to be going anywhere. And go. the Tigers are actually looking like a much better team than a lot of people thought they were. And the reality is the Twins are going to be kind of stuck in the bottom for a little bit. And they should have been a little more aggressive trying to get whatever they can to kind of help that out. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Uh, my last loser, I don't want to say too much about it. We're running a little bit over. But uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. So they traded John Lester. They traded for John Lester and they gave up John Gant. And the reason I bring up John Gant is when we did our NLS, our central preview podcast and Ronnie was on here, Ronnie was high on John Gant. He's like, oh yeah, watch out for this guy. You know, he could be a potential. And then they shipped him out for John Lester. And if you're going to trade for John Lester at the trade deadline, you're going to have a bad time. That's all I'm going to say. I think it's funny because the two guys that they traded for are just like so old. Who's like, the guy again? J-Hap. What are you like? What are you guys doing? 
I just, you know, I, I, that's what I'm wondering. I thought it was, so they weren't on my list, but I thought about it. Cause I was like, this would be so funny to make fun of these guys for being like the boomer team. Like, and it's like, right, they we're have getting, a, we're getting all a, the boomers. They have a pretty good offense. They're not I, boomers by the way, but it's, Jesus, but yeah, but it's just like, what do you, what, what, what does this do? Why, why would you, are you just You're gonna trying to fill in Jack Flaherty with these guys? Good luck. I mean, ja- yeah, Jack Flaherty's been out. It's just like, what you, whatever. Anyways, yeah, uh, either way, it's going to be a very exciting last two months of baseball, to say the least. Yeah. But, Chris, we've been going on for too long. Uh, let's talk about this next upcoming series. They're going to be going yeah. – we have the A's against Ladies the Texas Rangers. Those are your winners and losers, by the way. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Uh, the A's against the Texas Rangers. Julio Reynoso's first home A's game in three and a half years. Very excited. Friday night, I'll be seeing Mr. Swervin Irvin himself in person. Dalton Jeffries is going on Saturday. Chris Bassett is going on Sunday. Well, the, no, the, hold on. Bob Melvin didn't commit to Dalton Jeffries on Saturday because Caprillion could be ready. Well, that kind of changed some of my thoughts a little bit later, but go on. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just letting you know. So I don't want to promise the listeners that Dalton Jeffries is going to be pitching on Saturday because it could be, Cap could be back. That's I remember he said that in the, pre- the post-game press conference yesterday. That, okay, good yeah. to know. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, and then they'll be heading out to Cleveland for playing against our, maybe the last time they're playing the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and during that series, you're going to have Frankie Montas, or Sean I, Frankie Montas, Cole Irvin. Now, Chris, please give me your player of the week. I'll leave you the obvious one, and I'm going to take um, the also obvious one. I'm going to take Jan Gomes for that fucking dope ass home run that you hit uh, three run homer uh, a couple days ago and then also coming up big today uh, with what was the game tying RBI single yes game tying game tying um, you've done amazing things for this team you've given uh, Murph some great rest I've, his at bats have already been better I've already seen progress in them from just getting some rest he's great you know more versatility in the lineup um he's been clutch and and you can tell his experience is really weighing on the team um so i give it a big a plus for jan gomes um and i gave it also a big a plus to josh harrison for just being a amazing presence off the bench because he's so much fun you could tell he's enjoying baseball again so you know, I was going to choose Jan Gomes. Which is, that was my, I was ready, prepared. I was prepared for you to say Marte, but since you left yeah, MSA Starling Marte, what an amazing start to going wow. to a new team. Uh, he went eight for 24, a double, a home run, an RBI, five steals, count of one, two, three, four, five, three walks and three strikeouts. Uh, I think once this offense kind of figures out, you they're got kind the of. Green light. Yes. Starling, uh, you got the green light. Starling, you got the green light. Jeez. Like Roxanne, get it? It's put on the red light. I know, but I change up the lyrics in order to accommodate the baseball. Record. Fun fact about that song. So in the beginning, you know, the, with the with the guitar after. Nah, 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 yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, nah. yeah. You hear, nah. and then you hear like a piano in the beginning just go, gum. And then just sort of, ha, ha, ha. So during the recording of that take, uh, Sting accidentally sat on their piano and he nice. played that. And he just laughed. And they're like, you know what? That was such a good take of that song. We're just going to love Sting. I love, I love the police. Like the police are like kick ass. Anyways. Um, classic Sting. Yes. Classic. Oh, 
Way to go. Anyways, Starling Marte has been excellent. He's really been lit up this offense. He's really been a spark plug for what this team kind of needed. I hope it kind of revigorates the rest of this team, especially like Ramon, who he's been really in. It, I don't know if it's been the inconsistency. He hit. He did hit the double today to kind of get things started in the ninth. But it just seems like his at bats are just like go big or go home. You're either going to get. And, and that's kind of really been the philosophy of this team over the last few years. It's either you're going to get a big at bat, you're going to get an extra base hit out of him, or he's going to strike out. There's no in between. And it was great to see at least today against Melanson. He actually did have a pretty long at bat. I think he the at bat went like 10, 11 pitches to kind of be like that. I'm hoping a lot of that Marte factors leading into there. So kudos. I hope. These two guys, along with Josh Harrison, really are the guys who are going to really teach these guys and push them over the edge to be this team that I think we all think they should be. So Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so last week's uh, Essential Tailgate Tool of the Weeks uh, for Julio, it was Jed Lowry. He went 5 for 20, had one home run, 5 RBIs, 4 walks. Case. I'd say that's pretty good. I thought I thought no, like I think it's really good, good though. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Two fifty four strikeouts is a little bit it's a little bit like you know, kind of alarms you at the end, but no, like I thought it was pretty good. Uh, mine was Starlin Marte because it was too hard to pass up. Um, one of the players of the week, eight for fourteen, as Julio said, a double, a home run, RBI, five stolen bases, four, three walks. We already said the stats, it doesn't matter. So Starlin Marte was dope, so good job. Paddling back for both of us. All right, Julio, who's your essential tailgate tool of the week? Sean Murphy. You're going to be getting consistent oh, day offs now um, because you brought up this point up earlier. I think Aramis Garcia was not really providing the stability you needed yeah. as an everyday catcher. Unfortunately, like it, there were flashes of it, but it just was not there enough. Now you have a guy there with Jan Gomes. And if you think about last season and – you know, it, it was such a kind of sample size. You don't really know what it comes out of it. But Murph really performed at his best when he was at, at the end of the season. Last month, September, when Chappie went down, he pretty much picked up the productivity behind the plate for her at uh, the plate for him. Yeah. And I think now that you're going to have a consistent day offs for him and Bowmel doesn't have to rely on playing him all the time because you have somebody who is a veteran who's been playing really well in that position when Murph is at like is playing you should be expecting some pretty good productivity out of him so this is going to be a pretty good test for this first week Sean Murphy I believe in you let's do it and he's going to be playing in Cleveland he's a he's from Ohio uh shout out to my good friend Greg Feingold from Ohio as well can say that as well um Greg yeah you met him you met at, you met him at the A's Angels Yes, uh, I can't wait for succession to come back. I know tangent, but um, okay. I think it's going to have a little more blood going in playing at a hometown too. Sean Murphy, oh. you're my essential tool of the week. Okay, uh, mine is going to be Jed Lauer because now he's sitting in the fourth spot, which is what we kind of predicted. Uh, we thought that uh, uh, Olson was going to um, stay at three and then um, get a more reliable hitter at fourth, as opposed to Mitch Moreland or remote or I don't know one of these other guys. Um, at, at, um, 
at that spot, and he's been playing pretty well. I, I we need him to keep it up because go back to it again. We can't keep rely. We can't just rely on the new guys to be getting us run, getting us hits, and getting people on base when we need them. We need to bring those runners home. Jed has been more or less reliable in the past so far this season. With that, I want him to be more reliable this week. Um, you have an amazing one-two punch right there with Mark Hanna and um, uh, uh, oh my God, Starlin Marte. Um, look, Olsen's going to have his days. He's going to be better than most, be, better most days than not because he's an MVP candidate this year. But with his inconsistency, we need Mr. Consistency, consistency in Jed Lowry to pick up the slack and bring those guys home when we need to. So mine is Jed Lowry. Love it, man. I have to pee really bad, so we got to end this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Julio, I'll let you do the the end of the the pod uh, shout-outs. Yeah, make sure to give us a follow, please, on Twitter, at the town Telegate. Make sure you are following us also on our our YouTube channels, whereas wherever you get your local podcast, make sure to give some love to Around the Diamond for all their great stuff they do. And, and don't forget, be- ladies and gentlemen, I'm making this easier for you. I'm going to break up our segments on YouTube so you don't have to watch the whole thing. You can only you only if you only want to watch big list big 3, you can watch big 3 20 minutes. If you only want to watch A's news, you can watch A's news 10 minutes. I'm making it easy for you. So Yeah. No excuses. Um but also, if you are going to be at the Coliseum on Friday night, yo, feel free to hit us up, hit me up um at the Town Tagate. You can DM me Tag us on Twitter. I'm more than welcome. Come say what's up. Give some love to the people. Listen to us. So yeah, yeah. that'd be fucking dope. Take some pictures. Post. Them yeah, on take some on pictures. Twitter. Post on the gram. I'll try. I'll try to keep or on the Twitter. I'll try to keep an eye out for as many people as I can. Uh, all right, folks. Thank you for listening. Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. Oh yeah. Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, (laughs) and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.